0: This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. And today I have a guest who I'm excited to speak with, and I think that you're going to enjoy hearing about hearing from him and learning about him. But his name is Nate, and he is the host of The Sobriety Diaries, which is a new podcast that's just debuting now. He's got a couple of episodes already out. He's got a fantastic uh, YouTube channel, and I'm just really anxious to learn about him and how he got started in all of this. So welcome, Nate, to Beyond Belief Sobriety. How are you doing? Thank you so much, John. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's it's the weekend and I love that. And I'm speaking with somebody in recovery and doing a YouTube and all of that. So some of my favorite stuff is going on right now. So that's cool. What more could we ask for? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So generally what we do here, um, which is kind of similar to, I think what you're doing is get to know somebody through their story of recovery. And I wonder if you can go into that a little bit uh, before we kind of talk about how you got into podcasting.
1: Absolutely. I think that is the core of what I do. So I'm happy to share that with you. Um, Alcohol is my drug of choice. And um, it started sort of at an early age, Uh, I was always just sort of apart from the group and never you know, felt like I fit in, and never comfortable in my own skin. And I think we hear that from addicts a lot of the time. And it's interesting to me how something that secluded us so so often in in maybe our upbringing or our childhood brings us together so closely later on in life. But uh, yeah, I just was never comfortable in my own skin, and my mom, my mom will tell you now, and and we talk about this openly that that she said that she thought that I was always a troubled soul, and Aww. I think that describes it kind of accurately as a child um, i I had a good childhood, though. You know, my parents are hardworking people, and they did the best that they could. I have an older sister, and I was raised in small town Ohio, so Midwest boy with with some good values and um, you know a nice blue collar working class family. Um, There is sort of an era that stands out, and I can still remember it uh, very clearly uh, when I was ten years old, and my parents sat me on the couch between the two of them uh, one day when i came home from school and told me that they were divorcing and you know the the just the word at the time it it just turned my stomach and Mm. just felt like a weight to a 10 year old and it was just something that i could add to the list of being different and uh, another reason that i didn't fit in um so you know, with that being said, again, my parents continued to do the best they could. Uh, again, from a small town, they they ended up living two blocks from one another and and co-parented very well. So again, you know, none of these things I I contribute to uh, leading to my alcoholism. I think they're simply part of my story, yeah. And um, you know, got me to uh, this this moment here with you, John, today. So. You know it, it, that continued into adolescence and into junior high and you know i started to pinpoint things a, a little more as i you know developed a bit and um you know started to realize things about myself and um you know identified that as as being a, a, a gay young man in small town ohio and you know in the early 90s and and uh <laughs> mm you know, just wasn't something that I was going to discuss with anyone and something that was not going to be a part of my life at that time. Uh, So these, these sort of discoveries and feelings and major parts of my life were just being bottled up and and kept inside Mm. and kept to myself. Um, And again, another thing that um, I could sort of chalk up on the differences list. Right. Um, So, you know, again, small town, I, I hate to keep using that reference, but it just frame, it, it's a framework for my life. And, um, you know, I think that something that a lot of people can, can probably relate to, but drinking at an early age, uh, unfortunately was just something that almost, I don't, I don't want to use the word expected, but it was something that I was anticipating right. and something that was sort of accepted. And, um, happened on a, on a regular basis. Kids started drinking in high school, um, so we would get a case of beer and, and head out to the field somewhere, or um, you know, if if someone's parents weren't home, we were at that house for sure. Uh, but yeah, there was an anticipation to start drinking at an early age, and sure enough, uh, you know, I think end of my freshman year, maybe sophomore year of high school, my sister was off to Ohio University. Uh, and I sort of couldn't wait to go visit her and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, had my first major experience with alcohol, um, in Athens on campus at, at OU and, uh, you know, the, the anticipation and the planning was all part of it. And although I woke up in a miserable state with, with the worst headache and, Um, you know, a a hangover that no 16-year-old could probably handle, I couldn't wait to do it again. And thus started the life of an alcoholic. And looking back and knowing what I know about addiction and my personal journey, I drank alcoholically from that first sip, John, at age 16. Um, So, you know, from that point, obviously, I was still in high school. So, we weren't drinking every day, but it was it was definitely always discussed and always a, a topic of conversation. Um, you know, what was coming up this weekend? Whose house could we sort of crash? Who was buying the beer? So I wasn't certainly a daily drinker in high school, but it was always a focus. And it was always that sort of lead up and excitement for the anticipation.
0: And it's almost like
1: during that time,
0: you know, that's the time of our life, and and incidentally i've been told and or read somewhere once that addiction is actually a disease of adolescence and it kind of makes sense because that's the time when we're learning how to be social creatures and to get out there and meet people and do things and we add alcohol to the mix we think that the alcohol Becomes the center of of our social world when we're that age and that age group at least it did for me And I think that's for a exactly lot of us. right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right
1: And that first time it was like this magical elixir that you know people thought I was funny and I was relaxed and loose and I could um, you know Associate better with with anyone and talk to talk to anyone. So you're I, I couldn't agree more with that and for me, for for my personal journey, you know, it started as an obsession of the mind, and it turned into that physical addiction. So, my disease is is a mental obsession and a physical addiction uh, that that at this time started to to manifest itself. So, um, I had such a good time at at OU. I decided <laughs> to take my budding my budding alcoholic self there uh, for my own college career, and you know, I was. Probably not equipped to to deal with life coming mm-hmm. from a small town and you know as a as a budding alcoholic to mm-hmm. live life on my own yeah and you know sure enough, um, you know while I sort of managed to make make it through the academic side of of life at a university, I was definitely more focused on the the social aspect of things and um, you know the party scene yeah. And um, yeah, I, I, our stories I, are pretty similar
0: and yeah, I, can relate, I, just, I can relate a lot. Yeah. I also started off pretty early in life. And I always, and I also had that feeling of uh, some, of not fitting in. And for, in my case, it was, um, I was an army brat and we moved around a lot. Yeah, And so what I would do is I would kind of, I would learn to adapt to whatever was going on around me so that I could somehow fit in. But I always felt kind of like, like the outsider. I discovered alcohol early on. Um, I also had a good childhood, but there was there was a, there was some uncertainty in my household. I never knew what was going to go on. Mm. I found alcohol really early, and I started using it as medicine, not really realizing it. I, I used it to change the way I felt early on. So, you know, in that respect, you know, alcohol was a problem for me for for the get-go as well. Definitely,
1: yeah. Um. At OU, you know, this was sort of when I was taking it to the next level, and I started realizing consequences from my uh, drinking, yeah. my first DUI, oh God. you know, mouthing off at parties and, and getting mm-hmm. punched in the face. Yeah, God, and, yeah. You know, I mean, John, look <laughs> at me. I can't, I can't even barely defend myself. Um, <laughs> I went down on the first punch. <laughs> <laughs> right. As did I. And a broken nose and some reconstructive yeah. surgery later, no lesson learned. You know, right. it's, it's just sort of what we do. Um, when I graduated, I moved here to Columbus and, uh, you know, started making waves in the restaurant industry and, mm-hmm. and started off a, a fairly successful career and was offered a, a, uh, multi-unit manager, uh, position in Maryland. So oh. complete culture shock oh, and yeah. Midwest boy going to urban DC and Eastern Maryland and Virginia to manage restaurants. Um, Meanwhile, not knowing anyone there and just sinking farther into myself in that isolation drinking where it was mm. more the misery drinking and you know there at that point there was really nothing fun about it yeah. um, there there my story sort of turns a little interesting here I guess if if I've bored anyone out there I'm sorry <laughs> up to this point but stay tuned um, <laughs> so I I was in Maryland for about a year and I was coming home for the holidays. But prior to that, I had had this nagging headache for about two weeks and I almost thought it was a pinched nerve in my neck. You know, I thought I'd slept wrong and almost just like a crick in your neck. Like Mm -hmm. we've all had and, you know, it went on and on and on and, and two or three weeks I was home here in Ohio for the holidays. And, um, we i was at my sister's house and we were sort of prepping for a party the next day and just hanging out of course i was drinking and all of a sudden i i feel like i get hit in the head with a hammer Mm. and it's excruciating pain my the whole right side of my body went numb and limp and um you know we immediately go to the er and people are rushing around and I guess, long story long, I had a stroke at age 32 wow. as a oh my direct God. result of my alcoholism and oh, wow. just beating myself up and, and degrading my body for the last better part of two decades. So Man. I was um, in the neuro ICU for 14 days and I learned to walk again at age 32. And
0: <sighs> God, that's tough.
1: Yeah. Did a month of inpatient rehabilitation, physical rehabilitation, um, to a non-alcoholic, uh, this is probably the point where nobody would ever pick up another drink. I was kind of wondering if you were going to, however, (laughs) however, I was not quite Mm. finished and I laid in that bed did for, you
0: have any thought at all though that the, the, the two were connected i mean did the doctors tell you that alcohol had something to do with it and did you, were you is anything going through I, your mind
1: of course it was in my mind but i did my very best to hide that, Isn't that and amazing? downplay it on every occasion so that's what blew me away when i came to realize i had a problem was how i could have denied what was so obvious yes yeah exactly what I did, and I laid in that bed for six weeks and just thought about what my first drink would be Jesus <clears throat> and because I was there over New Year's Day, it was champagne, so I got out of the hospital and at this time, uh, my best friend and one of my um drinking buddies uh, but so much more than that um, had started a path of recovery, and she did it in the she she did it in the most perfect way of Mm -hmm. subtly just suggesting a program of recovery and highlighting areas of her own life that had gotten better because of not drinking alcohol Mm -hmm. and you know i had a couple more months in me but i I eventually became willing to throw my hands up, and it was just a random day in my apartment. Mm-hmm. My sister had come over because I had, you know, sunk into probably a a two week bender where, you know, I was trying to go to work but couldn't and and just drinking all day and waking up to a glass of Chardonnay, and you know, she'd come and check on me and in one day. I looked at myself in the mirror and, and was so disgusted that I, I walked out of the bathroom and I said, let's do it. And we were in the car 30 minutes later. Wow. So did you go to a treatment center? We did. She had been researching and sort of had some contacts in her back pocket. And we were on our way to an inpatient treatment facility. And by the grace of my higher power, uh, they had a bed ready. And oh. I, was, well, I was in there that night wow that that that, that. I, well, I i certainly can relate to your
0: story uh that moment though when we come to realize that we need help and i and i know that i know that it was difficult for you to even talk about it and it is for me too and even if i see it in movies when person when people reach that 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 m- is, moment i start it's crying so, it's so true. <laughs> you know because it's like it's it's just like years and years of pent-up stuff Yes. all coming out at that moment and we realize that we can't handle our own life and it's frightening and not only that what we talk about the denial a little bit but what freaked me out was I was lying to myself all these years yes i couldn't even trust my my own thinking anymore
1: exactly right and to your point believed every lie that i told myself yep and so it was not my decision that day, John, and and I know that you can probably relate to that because I probably, I, you know, if if it were left up to me, I, I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. And it, a power greater than it, uh, my own decision-making de- decided that that was the day. Yeah. And by the same grace, uh, that was almost six years ago, and uh, that was my last sip of alcohol October 9th of 2015. Well, tell me
0: this, since that time, so um because I I see, you know, recovery is definitely a process of change it takes place over a long our life, our lifetime. A lifetime. I a lifetime. <laughs> so, I wonder um what is there any major revelation or evolution in your recovery that you can think of that maybe you didn't expect or that you think is is, is somewhat interesting or a direction that you've gone that you didn't think you would
1: go? I think you're looking at it, honestly. Yeah. And, I and, and that, <laughs> from that shy, reserved uh-huh. boy who not once raised my hand in class. Yeah and they were in my graduating class was 82 people i mean i yep. was in elementary school classes with 16 17 kids Could, can't remember one time i ever raised my hand to wow. now live streaming on youtube and, and inviting people to talk about it well thank <laughs> you <laughs> so i think you know and that was born from the that was th- this this is all born from the want and the need to truly help people and give it away to keep it, you Mm -hmm. know, if I rest on my laurels and I think that I've got it licked and, you know, am not doing the work and giving, you know, I hate, I hate to use all the words and all the phrases, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about, but you know, if we don't help the next struggling person and and try to um, offer guidance or, share our stories at the least that's my insurance policy of staying sober so I, i i have to work on that every day
0: And you know it does help. Um, It's incredible. Um, I love YouTube, by the way, and there's a great recovery community here. And the thing about, you know, YouTube channels like yours and podcasts like yours is that around that um, a community is built. You know, people will listen to your podcast and it means everything to them to hear Mm -hmm. their story through another person and you know especially in in the last year or so when we've been kind of isolated from other human beings having that intimate connection from a podcast um it just means everything to someone especially early on in their recovery i wonder if you've ever heard from anyone anybody from some of the uh videos
1: that you've done i have um and i appreciate you you bringing up the youtube channel (laughs) that's sort of that's that's sort of how I transitioned into uh-huh. the this format. Um, yes. I started really just talking about my own recovery more so, and in, in like a, a vlog setting and uh-huh. just a very informal format um, for the same reason. Uh, but I think that you know it just lended itself to to this format better, and to your point, uh, to uh, sort of contribute to that community that is been so welcoming already uh and yes i've had many many comments and people reach out and ask if you know hey do you have any contacts in minnesota have you heard of any treatment facilities in arizona that are good so I, i'm truly humbled that people yeah, have you know perhaps started their recovery journey because of it and i hope that that will continue
0: yeah i know humbling is the word i uh I don't know what to say sometimes if i get an email from somebody or um, if i meet somebody who listens to the podcast and they tell me how much it means to them i just i just don't even know how to respond other than say thank you so much for letting me know that it that inspires me to continue but this helps me just as much you know this has become a huge part of my recovery and i'm sure that it has become that for you as well
1: absolutely yes it has and you know whether you work a program or you have you know found your way to a better life on whatever journey i think you know no journey looks the same uh we can i recorded an episode yesterday with with the young lady and Mm -hmm. she was very emotional and her father is uh, in recovery as well and 99 percent of the interview was based around the fact that we can relate to people that we never would have thought that we would have related to because of this commonality that we have of addiction and we are willing to share the most intimate and and like vulnerable times in our lives with strangers for lack of a better word and i think it's just so uniting i mean it 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 just blows me away every day. <laughs> so, do you have like a vision of where you'd like to
0: see the sobriety diaries go? Um, Would tell me what you think, what you're thinking about, if if at all. I had actually no planning whatsoever when I started this. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know i I spent a lot of time doing my research and educating myself on the format and. Yeah. How to grow an audience and how to deliver your message. And uh, you know, I don't come from a communications background professional. I was wondering because, man, your your quality is excellent. Well, thank you. I I do work in HR, so I do a lot of recruiting and, and interviewing. So mm-hmm. that lends itself um and, and is uh, you know. Imagine showing up on a Zoom interview for a job and, and I've got all yeah. this behind me. Yeah, <laughs> that's <pretty> cool. <laughs> people get a little intimidated. But I, I think that's where the, you know, and I'm, I'm an empath. So I'm a listener and I uh-huh. like to grab on to the, the smaller things that people may just say fleetingly and, and not think that, uh, you know, would be important or mm-hmm. sort of guide the conversation. And I like to to kind of grasp on to those Little points and and mm-hmm. uh, dive into them a little more and and sink into the conversation a little more and I I you know I I think that I've sort of found a, a rhythm now and I just want to share as many stories as possible and help people you know I'm not my true goal my true goal is to help people so yeah. if if and I say at the close of every show if this episode helps one person I think our job is done yeah. Well, I think that
0: you will. And you know, already you've got over a 1000 subscribers on your YouTube channel. And I'm gonna I'm looking forward to watching it grow over time. Um, I understand that you're going to be doing a live
1: stream today. We are. Yes. So I invited back a few of my guests uh, that I've recorded with already. Mm -hmm. And we will sit down sort of in a roundtable format and uh, just kind of test the waters out a little bit to see if it perhaps could be a regular feature on the channel. Um, and then we're, we'll, we'll, th- we'll throw it up as a regular uh, episode um, on Apple podcasts and, and you know, wherever you listen to. So you can find it there, but we will be uh, live um, at two thirty Eastern today at mm-hmm. youtube.com slash Nate Kelly.
0: Okay. Okay. I plan on going to that that's two thirty Eastern time. Correct. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll definitely uh, check that out. Um, so, thank you so much nate for coming on and talking about your um podcast and your video i guess video cast (laughs) or your youtube channel uh it's just uh i want i i want to talk to you sometime just about the um technical stuff i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to the podcasting stuff yeah and uh, i just uh i think that you've got a wonderful studio back there and your sound quality is amazing and it's just like, uh, hmm, I could learn something from this guy. So, <laughs> Anyway, thank you again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, John. So I'm going to go ahead and play our music out. Okay. And we did it. That is a another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you'd like to help out our podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. Uh, You can become a member of our YouTube channel. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety. You can go to our our website, beyondbeliefsobriety.com, and uh, click on the donate button or the buy us a coffee. There's all kinds of ways. But if you can't do any of that or don't want to do any of that, that's perfectly fine because we do this because we just love it, and we'll do it anyway. So thank you. And again, Nate, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, watching your show develop over time.
1: Pleasure was all mine, John. Thanks.